0: Welcome to Fontenelle, the educational podcast with a soft spot for paediatrics. I'm Caroline Storey, and I'm delighted to bring Marisa McMillan back to the podcast today. She's talking to Dr. David James about opportunistic screening for psychosocial issues when young people present to ED, or anywhere really, in particular using the HEADS tool, which they explain in some detail. I've just had a listen, and it's such an insight into the world of adolescent medicine. I highly recommend it, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Welcome to Fontenelle, the paediatric educational podcast. My name is Marisa McMillan, and I'm a Wessex paediatric trainee. Today we are going to discuss the HEADS tool which is a way of prompting psychosocial history-taking in young adults and adolescents. Guiding us through this assessment tool is Dr David James who is a children's ED consultant at University Hospital Southampton. Dr James will be telling us all about the HEADS acronym and will be offering helpful phrases and hints for its use. We will also discuss what to do with the information gathered with both our safeguarding hat on versus thinking about what normal adolescent behaviour is. Dr James will also tell us about handy resources we can use to guide us through the HEADS acronym. I hope this podcast will be helpful for any specialty that may involve interaction with young adults and not just paediatrics so feel free to share amongst friends. morning, Dr Jane. Morning. <laughs> so today um, we've come to talk about a sort of psychosocial review for teenagers in the emergency department. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what we're going to be discussing? Yeah, sure.
1: So thank you for the chance for me to get onto my soapbox and talk about what really um, gets me going and, and, and excited about working in, in ED, and that is thinking about how we can use ED to help young people. Um, and actually the tool we're going to talk about is the head screening tool um, which hopefully some of the listeners will already be familiar with because it's not just an ED tool it's a tool that can be used in any area in which young people are seen and we're going to focus mainly on on health areas because that's what we're really talking about but it could be used equally well in a general practice to an ED, to a a paediatric outpatient clinic really anywhere that you see young people Yeah. And I guess to me, um something that I feel really passionate about is that young people do use EDs more than children of kind of school age, so more than the kind of five to nine-year-olds, and actually young adults, if you class a young person as ten to twenty-four, the kind of eighteen to twenty-fours use EDs more than the kind of twenty-five to forties. So actually we've got a really good opportunity to offer opportunistic health screening to young know, people who come to us in order to, to help equip them with skills but also to minimise the the sort of further risks of, of harm through you know external causes, through trauma and, and through other things like that really.
0: I think that's a really good way to describe it as a sort of a health screen a sort of overall health screening tool. Absolutely. Do you mind taking us through what heads stands for?
1: Yeah, so so heads used to be spelt just as you would think it would be from us saying it. And I understand in a podcast it's slightly difficult to actually get across <laughs> the complexity of how heads is now spelt. But if you think of heeds, then you get close to it. So um it's a it is basically um a a way of thinking of domains of asking questions. It comes from from America in the 1990s. A couple of paediatricians came up with it, and it was used predominantly in transition clinics, um, going from paediatric to adult services, to try and understand what was going on in the lives of young people, and if you find issues, to offer offer support. Mm -hmm. Um, It's stretched over the years, so it now has two Es and three S's, um, which makes it difficult for people sometimes to find it when they're Googling it. Um but that's what it now says. So it stands for home. Uh the the first E is educational employment. The E that was added a few years ago is eating. Uh the A is activities, and then uh the, the D is drugs, which includes um smoking and alcohol consumption. And then three S's of, of sex, um of uh of suicide, which is a way of thinking about mood actually, but doesn't really fit into the word <laughs> heads so, so, so suicide really is a way of thinking about mental health but suicide risk and then safety which is around safety both at home um, in your local area and, 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 and school or, or wherever, wherever you're going
0: Yeah, I didn't realise it had been used in transition clinics first, it's quite versatile being able to use it in lots of different yeah, places. Yeah and, and
1: the thing is is that as much as, it, as we think of it as a tool actually the only thing that ever really came with it was the domains so there are no validated set questions that you ask in the domains. It's a way of exploring the life of, of of the young person and kind of seeing where the conversation goes. But if you think of it as a mnemonic to structure your social history for a young person, mm-hmm. then you will get in all the important stuff that you, that you want that you want to ask. And the good thing with it is you might think it's invasive, and you might think, well, if a young person just come to see me because they've hurt their foot, do they really want to be asked about their um, sex life? Mm-hmm. There's some quite interesting research from Australia a few years ago looking at that kind of cohort, so surgical inpatients who were in for stuff that was nothing to do with psychosocial risk or allegedly nothing to do with psychosocial risk. And a group were offered head screening, a group weren't offered head screening, and they looked at how they felt about the care they'd received. And those who had head screening all felt, that group felt that their care was better than the group who hadn't. And it's probably down to the fact that actually somebody was interested in them yeah. and interested in their lives and of that group who came in without anything obvious going wrong in their lives 30% of them had an issue that they, they could be signposted onto for further support and care.
0: So that might be reassuring information for someone who might be a bit apprehensive about approaching it in a non-mental health co- presentation Absolutely. context Absolutely um, Should we go through each of the bits of the acronym? So starting yeah. with HOME So how do you open, I suppose that's quite an easy one to open the conversation with and sort of what
1: sort of things would you ask? Yeah, so kind of things that you might ask in, in the home setting is, is really easy. So the, the reason it was structured isn't just because it spells heads, but also because it starts with the easiest stuff to talk mm. about. So you can build rapport and by the time you've got to the more juicy stuff, you've kind of got that relationship going. So home really is, you know, who do you live with? You know, really easy stuff. Mm. Oh, you've got brothers and sisters. What are they called? How old are they? Do you get on with them? Are they a bit of a pain? You know, what are mum and dad like? You know, a a question I quite like to ask is kind of what what kind of home is it? You know, how does it feel at home? Is it a relaxed home? Is it a stressful home? And often, if you just ask nice open questions, you'll get that information of, oh my god, my little sister's in absolute pain, or you know, dad gets a bit cross. There are some useful sort of supplementary questions if you start to get a bit concerned. So, sort of things like, how do your family cope for money? Um, You know, is your house safe, is your house warm, is your house dry, you know, and just thinking about some of the kind of environmental factors, you know, if you think you're seeing a young person with asthma, for example, in ED or in clinic, you know, well, what's the house like, and you find it's riddled with damp and, you know, none of the windows fit, you know, know, that's that's all useful information. Yeah,
0: and that's quite a nice open question to start with. Absolutely. And then the first E would be for education. So again,
1: sort of asking a nice open question. Absolutely. So you know. So and remember, I would really like everyone to start thinking about. And obviously, this is a generally a pediatric podcast. I'm a pediatrician, mm-hmm. but I like to you know the, the the way of thinking about young people now in international literature is ten to twenty four. So I, I okay. do like to stress the point: it's education and all okay. employment. Okay. But you know, because that's also a lot of our young people who we meet have have weekend jobs or holiday jobs yeah. but really it's you know are you at school how is school what year are you in you know what do you enjoy doing at school and then the kind of questions that allow you to get a little bit further and well, how do you cope with, with with the stress of school you know have you got good friends does anybody at school give you any trouble um, how do you find exams are you the kind of person who likes to do really well and you start to build a picture up of, of, of the young person's life and by the time you've asked these two questions you've kind of got You've got a, a feel, probably, of how this this young person's life is, actually. Quite a major part of home at school. Yeah, absolutely. And what was quite nice in the old way was that you would then go straight on to, well, you told me about what you like doing at school, what you like doing out of school, and you're on to activities. And eating has put a little bit of a... Yeah. A, I, I don't find it's an easy fit into it, and I don't always do eating at that point. I make sure I've written it down to come back to it. Yeah. But I'll often actually do... The, um I'll often do activities from school because it segues in nicely. Yeah. Um and then you've got, you know, and tell me, you know, what do you like doing out of school, what do you get up to, you know, do you see friends out of school? Where do you meet them? What do you get up to? You know, what are your interests? Um, because if you go from that, you've then even got a nicer way into drugs and alcohol and smoking, because what I then often do is, oh, you told me that you see your friends, you know, out of out of school quite a lot, you see them in the evenings. Around your age, lots of people start drinking, smoking, trying drugs. Is that something that your friends do? And if you start it with something that your friends do... It makes it easier for them to say. And you can then say, oh, if they do it, that must be quite hard to... Do Do you do it? Yeah. And then you've kind of got a way in, and you then really kind of hit those first four. And then at that point, I then often will will phrase it back into a... uh, Use some kind of little phrase like, so this is a general adolescent health checkup, a bit like an MOT you know, should we talk about some of the other bits that affect young people's lives, tell me about your appetite and eating, are you worried about your diet, are you worried about your appearance and then you can talk about sex you can talk about mental health and you sort of do it almost like a kind of I'm just going to check all the bits of your life Yeah. Um, and sort of normalising it kind of as you go and I like the M.O.T. aspect of it, most of them will understand. So yeah, most they're you, know I think most people know what an M.O.T. is. Yeah. So occasionally you get people whose who's English isn't their first language, or they haven't
0: lived here all that long, who look at you like, a what? What's that?
1: But, yeah.
0: And how, in the activities bit, is yeah. that where you may approach internet use? Because I know, yeah. personally, not in this hospital, but in other hospitals, we've had people come in as a result of online... Abuse essentially, yeah. or or things being spread yeah. through various apps about them. Yeah. How do you? Is that something you regularly bring into yes. this assessment? And yeah. would that be in the activities section
1: generally, or just wherever you can? I think wherever think it fits, exploring? really. So I, I will sometimes I. I the nice thing with this is, is, I will often wait for a kind of for a handle to hang the next question on. So it might be that they say, "Oh, I don't really go all that, out all that much. I, I spend most of my time. I'm on my phone a lot. You know, I'm, I'm talking to my friends." And at that point, you can ask specific social media questions. You yeah. know, like, "Oh, okay. You know, does any? You know, who are you speaking to online? Do you know all these people are in in the flesh? You know, or are these people that you only know online? What do you know about them?" Do any of them ever ask you things which make you uncomfortable? Does anyone ever say anything to you that you don't like? Okay. Do you see stuff that you don't like? There was a move a while ago to add an extra S on for social media, but I just think we've reached the maximum number of letters yeah. we can possibly get to. <laughs> the other place you can put it is safety. Oh, okay. So I will often, you know, you can just use that as a catch-up at the end. Do you feel safe at home? Do you feel safe at school? Do you feel safe in your local community? Do you feel safe online? Yeah. And actually, then you've kind of covered it off really, yeah, so we've gone through
0: home education, eating, but in a slightly different order, activities, and the drugs aspect. How do you approach that? It's you say you ask about friends' use and I think friend's try... use is a
1: useful bridge in, yeah, and then it, you know it, it's about normalizing it, you know it's about asking these really open questions of you know do do your friends do any of this? do you do any of this, and if the answer is yes. Then you start getting into that slightly tricky ground of, you know, is this just offering opportunistic health advice and where does your safeguarding hat come in? Yeah. Because if you find out you've got a 14-year-old who's smoking cannabis every night and isn't going to school, then you've got a duty to keep that young person safe. Yeah. If you find out that you've got a 15-year-old who smokes weed, you know, once every three months with their mates and nothing ever, ever really comes of it, that I would class situation. that as normal adolescent behaviour, you mm-hmm. know, and actually... You don't really need to do anything with with, with that, apart from saying, well, if it becomes a problem, here are some resources around drugs, should you ever find that you're doing it more often, or you're worried that you want to do it more often, or something like that. Yeah. Um, And actually, the more you do this, if you look at the population data, young people are drinking less, they're smoking less, drug use is a funny one. Until 2016, it was going down nationally across all groups of drugs, and then it peaked back up sort of 2017, 2018 oh, okay. we're not quite sure which way it's going now and that was partly down to um, legal highs now known as novel psychoactive substances and also things like um, Nitric- nitrous and, yeah. and, and, and and that kind of stuff um, but you know, these are the it's, it's around the drugs and around the sex and around the suicide that you get into the bit where you're starting to tread into kind of safeguarding and yeah. and you know and it's important that you have both those hats on and yeah. manage that balance
0: and so the first s for sexuality what are some in your experience good opening lines for that because i can imagine that's something that is probably quite difficult especially for juniors maybe to bring up to patients yeah without feeling awkward themselves
1: absolutely and you know it's uh, you know i 've had a long term interest in adolescent health, so i 've given so many talks about communication with adolescents and it 's the bit that you get to and My favorite talk I give a lot is around sexting and giving a talk on sexting to a, to a group of pediatricians and just watching the color fade from their face is just brilliant um, and it is hard because you know people aren 't used to it, and you know you go and spend time in a sexual health clinic, which I did when I did the adolescent health um, uh, bits of the spin module. And you just watch them doing it as if, you know, as if it's us saying, you know, oh, you, have you been to PICU with your with your asthma? You know, that they'll be saying, what, what type of sex do you have with your partner? And how many partners have you got? And it's just so normal. Well, time. And actually, it's a bit like the question around, have you got a social worker? That you can kind of ask it, like, kind of, have you got a social worker? Or you can ask it, like, have you got a social worker? And it's just normalising it, having that little deep breath, checking in with yourself before you say it. I... I will often use that line we talked about around the around the kind of whole health screen. Mm. So something like this is a chance to think about all aspects of adolescent health and to make sure that you're you're healthy and, and, and safe. One really important aspect of health is sexual health. Is it all right if we talk about it? Mm. It must always go. Yeah. And then you say, so, you know, um, can I ask have you got a partner? And obviously it's really important to keep, you know, as gender neutral as you possibly yeah. can. Um so, you know, have you got a partner? Yes, no. You know, uh, if you have, is that, you know, how long that been going on for? Um, is that an intimate relationship? Have you, you know, are you sexually active with them? Um, and you'll find that you kind of, you know, often the answer is 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 yes. And if it is, you know, then you probably need to do a little bit of a, of a dig. Mm-hmm. But really what you want to know is, do you mind me asking how old your partner is? This is particularly for the under 16s. And then do you feel safe in that relationship? Is it a relationship that you enjoy? Do you ever feel there's any pressure on you in, in, in that relationship? And, you know, you don't need to do a full, you know, kind of sexual exploitation history every time you do this because this is opportunistic health screening. They haven't come in because they've got recurrent UTIs or recurrent, you know, or they're pregnant. Or they? mm-hmm. but, but actually, you need to know for yourself that this is two consenting young people of a similar age and a similar cognitive ability. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a third of young people have sex before their 16th birthday. So it, it is normal, mm-hmm. but it's about us making sure that, that they're equipped with, with those skills. And certainly if I find somebody is sexually active, I always ask them, do you know where the nearest gum clinic is? What contraception are you using? Mm-hmm. You know, and if the answer is the whole, you know, the, the, the female partner, if there is one in that relationship... Um, is on a long-acting re- reversible, like, you know, implant, coil injections, I make sure that the, the, that they know at that point that that only protects them against pregnancy. It doesn't protect them against, yeah. against STIs.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that's kind of, it, it, it doesn't need to be a really deep dig. It's if you are sexually active, are there any big red flags immediately that make me worry? Mm of course if they've come in because there's something that's so obviously safeguarding that's different but if if this is an opportunistic screen it's are you happy and you know what other what what else would help you live the you know healthiest sex life that you can
0: have yeah and obviously you might do a bit more of a digger dive a deeper dive if there's a big age gap
1: Oh, you do, it. yeah, 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 and I think we're going to talk about confidentiality in, in in a minute. But but yeah, there's there's obviously there are there are things that you might get told by doing this that you have to do something about, yeah. and we'll talk about how we make sure that the young person knows you can do that.
0: Yeah, and then the next S is suicide, which unfortunately is something that really commonly presents to children's ED feelings of low mood, yeah. hopefully yeah. rather than attempts. Yeah, um, and hopefully something that paediatricians should be fairly comfortable talking to young people about. Yeah, And again, the more you do this, the more you develop these stock
1: phrases that you, know, you hear yourself saying all the time, and luckily you only ever meet the young person once or twice, so they don't know you say the same thing to all of them. But yeah. I think my phrase with that is, we've talked an awful lot about physical health today. Can I just check in with you about how your mental health is? We know how important it is to talk about mental health. What kind of, you know, are you the kind of person who's normally happy? Is there anything that makes you sad, makes you worried, makes you angry? Um, And if they say, no, I'm pretty balanced, really, I'm I'm all right. You know, you don't then need to ask everybody if they've had suicidal thoughts. But, you know, it's that chance to talk about mood, isn't it? And if they give you something that that suggests that, that there is something going on, that you use that again as your handle to get into something else. Yeah, and it might even suggest that earlier on, if they're struggling at
0: school, then yeah. it might be an appropriate time to jump to that letter. As, yeah. As. yeah, totally. Um, and then lastly, safety, which I feel is a bit more of the ambiguous yeah. part of the acronym. Um, yeah, and so I,
1: I agree, and I, I've always found, you know, I, I often don't, I've often got enough out already in that, but, and, you know, this this came in predominantly, I my understanding is this came into the to the kind of acronym from a often from a gang point of view in in America, and looking oh, for safety okay. in your local area. But I generally use it as a kind of as my final check in my brain of do I know that this young person feels safe in all the important aspects of their life, home, area, school, online, you know. And if I've already answered all of, the, of, of those questions in the other domains, I won't ask anything else. Yeah. But if I want to just sort of check, um, then I just use it as my sort of time for final checks.
0: Yeah and as you said earlier that's maybe when you can bring in the internet side of things into it as well feel safe online so when you're talking you're taking this history or having a chat with this young person presumably they might or presume presumably if they have come with parents you'd ask them to leave how do you generally go about doing that
1: and do you find that most parents are willing to let you have alone time with that absolutely absolutely and i think you know i mean I. We've been talking about this now for, you know, 10, 15 years. And, you know, I think at the start of that conversation, people were always really worried parents wouldn't go. Mm. And I think the more people have done this and the more we've normalised adolescents seeing doctors on their own, it just doesn't seem to be an issue anymore to me. Um, So I always, when I'm seeing young people, at the start of the conversation, I will, you know... You start off by talking to the young person, you find out who they brought with them, and then when we say, this is my mum and my dad, you find out what the parents called, and you say to them, you know, well, let's start off together, but at some point in, in, this com- in this conversation, I am going to ask you to step outside, so I can just have some time alone with whoever, just to ask some questions they might not want to uh, answer in front of you, and... Um, or just to, you know, just to have some time of getting them used to seeing doctors on their own. Yeah, and that's good to signpost it right at the start. Absolutely. And they go, OK, and then when you get to that point, you know, you can almost just give them a nod, you know, and say, <laughs> actually, I think we've probably reached at that, that point. Yeah. Um, and I don't really have an issue. Occasionally, uh, you know, you will find that they're kind of stood with, you know, with their ear to to the curtain. So I'll often just poke out and just make sure that they've actually, you know, gone, gone far enough away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I... I do that all the time and I never have any problems. Yeah, you know so that's very And I think, you know, if I did have somebody that was really not wanting to go, I think that in itself would be a little red flag to yeah, me that as would to be more what, what are they worried that they're going to say. Mm.
0: And then we touched on it a little bit earlier about sort of how do you generally approach confidentiality limitations? Do you give a warning shot or is it more as it comes up, you then have to say?
1: Um, absolutely give a warning shot. Mm-hmm. so totally do, always do and again, when you say stuff enough it ends up sounding like the kind of police you know, warning that they give when they're about <laughs> to, to arrest somebody um, I, will, I will often use the word confidentiality because I think it's a useful word for people to understand what it means so I, will, so I generally say as soon as the parents are gone um, we're going to chat about your health and all the bits of, of your health um, and to do that it's really important that you understand what your rights are to confidentiality, have you heard of the word confidentiality now, anybody who has been through the CAM system, anyone who's yeah. not a social worker, anyone who's, who's been to no limits, can almost parrot you back what you want to say to them at that moment. Yeah. And if they say yes, you say, okay, we'll explain to you what you understand by it. And actually, most of who know it tell you, well, it means you're going to keep stuff secret and say tell you something really bad and then, you know, you're going to tell people about it. And you're like, well, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. But if they don't know, my general explanation is... Uh, so I generally say... Um, you know, if you tell me things, you know, and those things are protected between you, me as your doctor, and the team who work here. But because you're under 18, I've got a legal duty to keep you safe. And that might mean that I need the help from other people if you tell me stuff that's really worrying. So, normal adolescent stuff is fine, but if someone's going to get hurt, that might be you or someone else, I might need to tell somebody outside of this room about that. That's not necessarily your parent, but it might be. Um, but it might be somebody else like social services or, or the police or your GP. If I needed to do that, I would tell you first, yeah. and we'd try and do it together. Does that sound all right?
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. something like that. And, that and the more thing, you yeah. say it, the more it just, you know... It's a spiel. Yeah, it's a total spiel. <laughs> yeah. And I think some people have this worry, oh, if, if I tell them that, they might not They might not tell me that. They might not disclose the thing they want to disclose. Yeah. But actually... It's really important, if a young person is holding on to something, you know, particularly if it's something around abuse, then they they need to offload that information at the time that's actually right for them. And the worst thing is that they think, oh, this doctor's so nice, they're listening to me, well, this nurse is really nice, you know, they, they're really taking me seriously, I really feel I can trust them, I'm going to tell them about this awful thing that happened to me, and then you go, oh, I right, Thank you for telling me, I'm just going to ring social services. Whereas if they know in advance, and if that means they don't tell you that day, well, that's, that's fine. But it means that they understand what will happen. And, and they know, because just telling you isn't going to fix it. They, they, they know if there is something that they're going to need help, but it might just mean that they need a second visit to, to pluck up the courage. And I think that's better yeah. overall.
0: Yeah. And I think what you, that, that little spiel that you just said is really quite a useful one for other people to sort of, adapt
1: and take to their own. Absolutely. Perhaps take to your MRC-PCH communication <laughs> clinical station. Which, Possibly, you know, which may be coming up for some of us. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> is there any phrases you like to
0: avoid? So you said when you were talking about sexuality, please make sure that you keep it gender neutral and say partner, which yeah. is obviously, well, that's obvious. Yeah. Is there any other phrases you hear people saying and cringe inside and think, oh, I wouldn't have said it like that
1: or... Um, so things that make me cringe um, so if you ask people how they want to be spoken to, they want to be spoken to in plain English and respectfully but they don't want people to try and be their mates Okay. so I think one thing that I see occasionally and I think we're probably all guilty of it from time to time is that we might possibly try a little bit too hard and I've definitely seen people go a bit street when they're they're trying to take this history (laughs) and that is a bit cringe. Yeah. Um and young people see straight through it. So they want people to be doctors and nurses but they want to understand what they're being asked, understand what they're being told mm-hmm. and you know and have a conversation where they feel that they're a kind of respected adult, equal so adult. Yeah, treated like a young adult, you know. And so I think it but remember that they are still, you know, going through an enormous stage of brain development. So they don't have that that quite that adult way of of thinking about stuff I mean it's the only time really in which we have a conversation with somebody who doesn't share our our world view in terms of development, because if you think about when you're seeing a younger child, a lot of your communications with the parent yeah they're an adult if you're seeing adults, you're talking to an adult mm-hmm. if you're seeing somebody who is twelve thirteen fourteen, even eighteen nineteen, if you think about adolescent brain development not really finishing until your mid twenties. You are talking to somebody and they are the centre of the conversation, but their brain works differently to yours. Mm. So it is just always worth thinking about that when you're having these, these conversations. Yeah, so don't try and be too strict. No. <laughs> um, other things that just slightly get my uh, goat so we talked about um, asking open questions around relationships, and if there's one thing that really gets me, it's for young people who self harmed, and it's the use of the word superficial. So there is. I often hear when people are presenting patients to me. of even in front of the patient, they've got superficial self harm marks to their arms. Mm-hmm. What the person saying it means is they have self harm wounds to their arm that are not very deep. Yeah. What the young person hears is, "Oh, well, they've just done a little bit of scratching, and it's not really proper self harm. It's just superficial self harm. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really matter." So the use of the word "superficial" is really, really to be avoided in in the in the airspace of the young person yeah
0: and that makes sense um how would you you would just say self-harm marks rather yeah. than superficial
1: yeah and you might even say there's some self-harm harm marks which look really sore but I don't think we need to do anything about them yeah you know that is basically so just need dressing yes exactly yeah. you know, That that is defining what it is without without using a word that describes its depth because yeah. you know the depth is both physical through the layers of skin but also how deep in their mind their feeling of frustration and anxiety or worry is.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier actually before we started recording
1: of an app. Is there a handy heads app? Well, it's funny you should mention it's that. It's Funny, I should mention. It. There is, there <laughs> is, and uh, particularly if you're listening to this uh, as a Wessex-based paediatrician, there is an app which will link you, which will link the domains to local resources. So about. 18 months or two years ago now, we got some money from Health Education England to build an app. Because historically, we've always talked about head screening as a load of questions to ask. But of course, there's no other screening. If you think about screening tests, you screen because if you screen positive, you do something about it. You need treatment. It's almost unethical, actually, to do a screen if you don't know what you're going to do with the answer. So, you know, you get a young person, you ask them a beautiful history you ask them how their life is and they tell you it's completely crap, this, that and everything else is going on and then you go, oh, uh, that's thank you for telling me, what am I going to do with that information yeah. so if you uh, download the Heads app, spelt H-E-E-A-D triple S, through either App Store or Google Play or there's a web app which is H-T-T-P colon slash slash that's the usual starting point app, a dot heads, about I, I just said it, dot UK. Oh, OK. That's, That's I all do it. Remember. Is. Um Then, uh, and if you Google it equally, it comes up. So, and you can use that. It's totally free. You do need to register as a health professional, but it's just simply so we know how many registered users there are. We don't do anything with the data. Um, and then it will ask you where you work. So we've mapped resources both nationally and locally per hospitals within the Wessex area. Okay. so for example there is a Southampton and a New Forest there is a Portsmouth and East Hampshire there is a Basingstoke Winchester there is a Bournemouth and Poole there's a Dorchester there's a Wiltshire one for Salisbury and so if you go through the uh, go, go through the screen it gives you some some suggested questions you might like and other the questions we've talked about on, yeah. on this podcast um, and then it will say have you identified an issue and if the answer is yes it will say view resources and then it will link you to the two tabs, local and, re- and, and national. And what you can then do, a bit like on the Healthier Together website, is you can then share those resources with the young person via a text message sent from the app. Oh, that's a really good idea.
0: Yeah. you
1: so, should have known about this. <laughs> I'm sure I've talked... I'm sure I've bored you about this it, <laughs> in ED point. at some point. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, so you can share the resources to where the local... You know, to for no limits or something with the young person. Or the gum clinic or something. Absolutely, like that. absolutely. And of course, there is always gonna be a judgment call, isn't there? Was is it just is it enough for this young person to say, Okay, here's a resource, I'm gonna trust you to go and mm. do this? And I think that comes with experience. And I think if you're, you know, if you're an SHO or if you're a junior nurse or if you're, you know, somebody who hasn't seen that many young people, you're probably gonna to want to go and discuss that with your Reg or with your consultant about what well, do we consider this to be a normal adolescent process? I think there is a generally a some people will probably err on the side of of taking a safeguarding approach mm. to things. And that's okay. Maybe depending on how rebellious they were as teenagers themselves. Potentially. <laughs> Potentially. Um, but, you know, we need to be seeing that we don't ignore, you know, actual abusive behaviour yeah. towards young people or even from a young person towards themselves by just saying, okay, thanks, tell me, here's a resource. But equally, for a lot of this stuff, for the low-level stuff that you pick up whilst you're talking to somebody who's sprain their ankle, actually saying, well, if you do get really anxious around exams... And that makes you really worried and you found actually that you've, you know, you've felt so anxious a couple of times that you, that that is when you do smoke cannabis. You know, I wonder if there's another way we can think about a coping strategy. Have you thought about contacting No Limits, which would be the Southampton and Portsmouth, you know, resource, which is a fantastic resource for this kind of stuff. And they can self-refer, you know, to get some other coping strategies. Yeah. Um, Which brings me on to to one of the last points, really, which is, around who should be doing this. And obviously the audience that we're speaking to is going to be probably PEAS trainees, maybe some nurses, maybe some allied health professionals, maybe some PEAS consultants, maybe some other health professionals. But you welcome
0: GPs and adult ED doctors. If fabulous. We? We're inclusive to everyone.
1: Good. <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're, we're not bad at it, but we're busy and we yeah. haven't got much time. And you can do a head screening, you know, if, if nothing comes up, it takes a couple of minutes. You know, if stuff comes up, then it might take a bit longer. Um, but one resource which is incredibly useful are youth workers. So certainly here in Southampton we've now got a um a service kind of piloting with, with, with no limits youth workers who come in some evenings and actually have the chance to go and do this whilst we're, you know, we can just focus on, on the medical stuff and someone else can come and do it. And they're, you know, they're so used to talking to young people that they do it you know, better than I do and you know probably better than, than, than most other people would do as well. So, actually having them in your department, if you have them, you use them. Yeah. You know, play therapists, equally some of them like to work with the older young people. They may not have a youth work, you know, that qualification, they but they can still still do that. And, and, you know, it's amazing sometimes the people who get most out of young people are not the people that you think it's going to be. Yeah. You know, security guards... HDAs, you know, who just have that time, particularly if it's a distressed young, young person, and mm-hmm. they'll they'll come and tell you all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, I've found that particularly with HDAs on the wards, yeah. um, they've maybe got a little bit more time to spend directly yeah. with the patients, so yeah. they often offer little tidbits
1: that you have. Absolutely, and, and you know, and actually, the whole thing with using your heads is it's, it's not it's not a rigorous didactic, you must ask this, you must go on this training programme before you before you can use it. It's just a way of thinking about the things you want to ask a young person and structuring that history and getting that information and then when you've got it, use the app and you can signpost them to, to what they need.
0: Yeah. yeah. It sounds like a really helpful app that helps you remember what to cover but also sort of lead you into it in a nice way, starting with the easy bits of home and then getting a bit more to the juicy bits of suicide, sexuality and that side of things. So thank you ever so much for talking to us about it. Pleasure. Is there any last minute advice you would offer for people working in busy EDs as you mentioned
1: for? Just get out and, and and practice it. Yeah. And and the the more you ask these questions, the easier it becomes. So you know, I I think my my top tip really is is don't limit it to the young people who are the natural candidates for it. You know, don't only do it when they've self harmed or when they've come in drunk or they're coming up ask these questions to young people you yeah. know, young people like being asked about themselves they like people who care about them so you know if, if you've got the time if the department's n- not heaving use that as your chance just to ask these questions get used to seeing people on their own get used to asking parents to step out get used to asking them, you know, the confidentiality spiel because if you if you do it all the time it just becomes second nature and yeah. it's just something you don't need to worry about It's easier for everyone then
0: perfect thank you ever so much for chatting to us dr james
1: pleasure
0: thank you so much to dr james for speaking to us all about the head's psychosocial screening tool as i'm sure you know by now head stands for home education eating activities drugs sexuality suicide and safety A really important learning point for me was the importance of using this screening tool for all types of presentations and not just the mental health presenting complaints. Having the Heads app will no doubt be of great use and value, especially in Wessex, where it can signpost to local resources and for others too also shows national resources. So with all this in mind, I encourage you all to use Heads as often as possible and keep practising. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you found it useful and come away with a few tips and phrases to use in your everyday practice. Goodbye.